Welcome into another episode of the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Podcast. With me tonight, I have Evan Lee, and uh, we're recording a special episode because it's been a very long time since I have released an episode for this podcast. So welcome back, folks. Uh, Happy New Year to uh, both Dynasty Leagues 32 and 33, which I am commissioner of. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's have another great year of fantasy hockey. So welcome in, Evan. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Kevin. I appreciate it. That was quite a long-winded intro right there. So, uh, yeah, let's hear from you. Uh, how are you doing? How's your How's your new year? I'm doing well. My new year was uh, was relaxing, and yeah, it was nice. Got to see a hockey friend of mine, actually, back from high school. So I went over to his, his place for, like, a New Year's party afterward. He wasn't expecting to see me, but, you know. It, all, all things are good, and uh, actually, I was supposed to be going to watch the uh, NHL Stadium Series with them in February. You know, it's always good to see old friends, especially unexpectedly. So, that's Definitely. that's one of the best part about the uh, the holiday season, in my opinion. That's uh, that's definitely one one nice thing about the holidays: being able to reconnect with people that you don't normally get an opportunity to see. And the stadium um, series, that's definitely, that's definitely yeah, something to be excited for. Yes, that is, that is to be excited for. I'm going to be seeing the uh, Devils and Flyers, MetLife Stadium, so should right. be, yeah, should be a lot of fun. You know, the, in the evening too. So. I'm hoping the Flyers start pulling some of the prospects up. Like, you know, they've, they've, they've got some overpriced defensemen there, so let's start seeing some of the young blood, but who knows, we'll never... We'll never really know with Oliver with Philly. Bonk, uh, Oliver Bonk revenge tour after a failed uh, World Juniors. He's, you know, he actually looked pretty good at the World Juniors despite the one play. Like, I'm, uh, you know, people overreact to the World Juniors. I did it last year, trading Luke Hughes, whatever. We we all do it, but. We're, um, we're never going to let you live that down. I know, I, I know. I'll never let myself live it down. I'll bring it up every time I, yeah. I can. But Well, okay. Well, we'll touch on that a little bit later, but all I'll say is, uh, Someone that you did get back in that trade has looked real, really promising, you know, as of late. So, yeah, well, we'll get into that. But uh, without further ado, do you want to kind of lead us along here? Yeah. So, um, World Junior scores uh, for each league for uh, Dynasty League 32 and 33. This podcast is kind of dedicated for you guys. Um, the scores for weeks 14 and 15, those will be out hopefully midweek. Uh, the the high score winner for the the, the two weeks combined, uh, the two scoring weeks. Not the it's a it's a three week total, but it's the two scoring weeks combined. Uh, they get a twenty five dollar cash prize. So I'm hoping to get those scores out this week. That way we can know the the cash prize winner soon. So um, that's a little bit of news there. Uh, keep sending in your complaints, your rule ideas. Uh, rule adjustments, anything that needs to be brought up, please keep bringing it up in the Discord. There's so much stuff that has been coming up this year that we kind of predicted, but 
I didn't write into the rules or I didn't really foresee necessarily, um, especially with the salary cap. So stuff happens, but we got to keep uh, updating rules. So I need help there. Um, also, if you want a stat track for next year, I think I've talked about adding a stat fee in League 32 because initially we didn't have one. And I said I didn't want to add one if we weren't, you know, if it, if it wasn't something we started out with, I didn't want to add one after one season. So it, this is a lot of work. I've been falling behind constantly. Partially because I'm working 60 hours a week, but partially just because life is crazy. Um, it's really hard to keep up. Next year, the league is going to be slightly different. I think we're going to have more two-week like two week uh, matchups. So maybe the end of the month, you'll have a two-week matchup. It might mean the season is slightly shorter in terms of matchup amounts. We could end up doing a four matchup a week setup similar to what we're doing in the NHL. There's a few different things I'm toying with, but um, it's a lot of work stat tracking and uh, I definitely need a bit of a break and so if you are willing to you know volunteer your time or if you're willing to you know help out by paying it's 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 a big you know it's a big uh, help because it's it's a lot of time commitment each week it's about four or five hours a week on my end and then I've got guys doing you know five six teams seven eight teams so yeah there's a, there's a lot of work that goes into running these leagues, and it's worth it. I, I absolutely love doing this because it's I think I've built something pretty awesome, and I think I've got a good group of teams now that are active and enjoying it. So, oh, I'm running out of air here as I go. Evan, are you still alive over there? I'm still alive here, but I guess for context, um, how many stat trackers are there for... 32 league 32 and then for league 33 uh right now i think we've got it up to i think seven or eight stat trackers total i was doing when the season began i was doing around like 38 39 teams a week uh that's each team takes around 20 minutes 25 minutes depending on the league or the the amount of like european leagues the amount of weird leagues i have to go to and find the the sites for um Mm -hmm. generally i have 25 taps open at once <coughs> which kind of saves time granted my computer crashes somewhat frequently um well, that'll do it <laughs> but uh yeah so stat, stat tracking is definitely a fun uh, endeavor i actually quite enjoy it it's it's allowed me to keep tabs on players um throughout the, the last few years but it's just it's so much work um and it's 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 time consuming so if you are willing to help out I will, uh, I will take any help I can get. So that's kind of my, my plea to the members of leagues 32 and 33. We've had some outreach in the last few weeks, getting some extra teams helping out. So that's always great. Um, like if you take on one team, I'll just cut your stat tracking fee. Don't worry about it. You know, if you're, if you do one team, you're doing your part. If you do two teams, you know, I'll pay you 50 bucks. If you're doing like four teams, I'll pay you like 150, 200 bucks. I got like two guys I paid like 400 bucks this year. Like, you know, it's, I try not to disclose that actually, but I might cut that out. Um, <laughs> well, I guess for my years only. <laughs> it's fine. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's, 
it's fine being public honestly actually because i i try to be as as honest and as truthful as you know i can be with how i run the league like i've got guys doing a lot of work and if you're if you're stat tracking eight teams like i got one guy he's in both leagues he um i don't want to name him because he actually likes to be anonymous but he has been saving both leagues but uh, over the last month and a half especially when i was on vacation uh, you know, when I've been feeling sick or not feeling well, like he's been pulling so much weight. So uh, I feel bad paying him how little I paid him because he's, I can only imagine the hours he's put in. So, um, you know, it's to run these leagues the way we do, we need the help. But I don't want to, I don't want to like make the lineup smaller. I've, I've thought about it. I don't want to do that. I think what we've kind of done this year is actually pretty great. We just have to tinker with a few little things so anyways moving on uh let's talk about the world juniors what did you think about team usa because you are american and i want to hear your opinion okay context you know i'm both canadian and american right yeah but they just won gold and team canada sucked so for this uh for context you're american now so Uh, okay i see um (laughs) <laughs> well, Team USA was by and far the expected favorites for going into this. Um, I mean, just the amount of talent that was assembled on that team was really impressive. I mean, just more recently, from a draft perspective, you have that all-American line of, you know, um, Perot, Brian Leonard, Will Smith, all went in the first round last year. All were on the same line. They all came into this tournament together, so they played together as a line. That already, big thing right there. That's three first-rounders in this past year's draft. And then you had all these other guys. Isaac Howard, Tampa Bay Lightning prospect. Cutter Gauthier went fifth overall to, to, to the um, to the Flyers. Gavin Brindley was a second-round pick this past year. Um, Frank Nazar, again, fairly recent pick. Jimmy Snuggerud, fairly recent pick. All these guys being, like, top picks. Like, first, second-rounders. Lane Hudson, Seamus Casey. I mean... A lot of guys that maybe weren't as popular, or even if they you didn't really know about them, weren't as prominent. They were all high high draft picks. And then if you didn't know about them, well, this tournament allowed you to understand who these guys were. Um, and then they brought back uh, Trey Augustine, who's been great for them. And then also my uh, one of one of my prospects that I like, uh, Jacob Fowler, too. You know, so a lot of future NHL talent on that team. That's why the team was so good, um, and a lot of fun to watch. So it's kind of just like a brief uh, synopsis about it. But they were expected to be the best, and they were the best. They carried themselves with, a, as I told Riley, a, a, uh, a very, like, F-U attitude. Um, so, yeah. It's, they brought uh, that energy, but they won. So, you know, you can be like that, I guess. You know your, everyone may be gracious. You know your team is really good when you can leave off a prolific goal-scoring prospect. Um, like... I think it was it turned some heads when uh, when Cole Iserman didn't make that Team USA roster and people thought like wow that's quite the uh, quite the decision but yeah you know with hindsight it's like they didn't really need them so they, they, I mean they were stacked they had what like three different lines they could probably roll out and kill you with and and something to consider with the World Juniors is that it's you know. It's the it's the U twenty tournament or it's the U nineteen I guess. It's considered U twenty, um, because it's you know nineteen, eighteen, seventeen, sixteen, I guess. Um, so 
with with a guy like Iserman, great player can you know can absolutely shoot the puck. But you've got players on Team USA right now like Snuggerud, you know, like McGrady, um, Ryan Leonard. They can they can do exactly what he can do. Maybe not quite to the same degree, but they can do that, and then they can do a lot more. And they're so much more developed being a year or two older. So that's something to consider as well. Definitely. I mean, look, I think they're pretty much their entire like Ford group was pretty ridiculous, to be honest. Um, like even guys that weren't really as well known, a la like Quinn Finley. Gavin Hayes, I believe, and then Danny Nelson. Like, they aren't really given that much, but like those guys are pretty good players. Um, and then their defense was really dynamic too. And like even a guy like Oliver Moore that went like in the first round, he he wasn't featured prominently because they were just so stacked up front. And then they just had like a three headed monster on their defense. It was insane. Like Hudson, Casey, and then uh, Zev. Zev uh, William, William, like those three guys are awesome for them. Oh William yeah, with, with some goal scoring when it mattered, and then like just playmaking masters of like power play and even strength in Hudson and Casey that could play with top end talent. So it's very impressive the some, amount of um, players they had at their disposal. Something Scott Wheeler pointed out in his notes was uh, William didn't shoot the puck all that much, but when he did, it was it was lethal. And uh, that's actually something I've noticed kind of throughout this year at Denver for him. He doesn't shoot the puck all that much, but when he does, uh, it's it's generally a... It, it, he's got a great shot. He just does not use it enough. Like He's got 22 shots, I believe, in 18 games. That's something he's going to have to start using more. Um, and I think scouts will want to see that, especially in the second half of the season. Well, <laughs> that's an excellent point because I'm looking at some of the stats right now in front of me, but... Yeah, uh, you know who had the highest shooting percentage on Team USA? Actually, funny enough, William. Yeah. Yeah. You know what his shooting percentage was? Like 44, 48? 75 percent. Uh, was it really? I'm not even kidding. He scored on three out of the four shots he took the entire tournament. Oh wow. Okay. I thought <laughs> I I thought I read somewhere even in, I thought that, I even. That, that, I wonder there has to be like some World Junior stat, some obscure World Junior stat that exists out there. Like who has a perfect shooting percentage? He's gone like three for three or like five for five or whatever it is. Anyway. Um, yeah, he's a great shooter out, though. How many other shooting percentages were outrageous too? Like Isaac Howard, thirty-seven and a half percent, nine goals and twenty-four shots. His stock is way up. Well, yeah. you know, six, 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 uh, six goals and sixteen shots for Gavin Brindley. Same thing on the same percentage. Like, you know, uh, actually, Gabe Perot, fifty percent shooting percentage, four goals on eight shots. So, I mean, you know, there's a couple. I mean, that's just a couple. And then you got like, what, three other guys over twenty percent in Will Smith, Snuggerud, and Rucker McGroity. It's remarkable the, the amount of offense this team had. McGordy skating uh, has not really improved all that much since his draft year. I will admit that readily as a, someone who has ownership of him in League 32, but uh, he's just always in the right place. And great passer, surprisingly good shooter. No, not, not an amazing shooter, but he'll score 20 goals, I think, at some point in his NHL career. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited about uh, the overwhelming amount of American prospects that are coming up in the next few years. It's you guys are really 
Well, when I say you guys, you're also part Canadian. I got to acknowledge that. I uh, I was a little, well, you know, it was, was a little harsh uh, earlier. So, no, no, but you you know what was actually interesting to me? Actually, if you're gonna ask me that, like the thing that highlighted to me the most was the um, American talent on defense. Actually, like I knew of these guys, like all the names. I'm like, yeah, like I know the player, but I didn't really like get an opportunity to fully watch them and understand some of their games, like. You know, Eric Polkamp, for example, San Jose Prospect, Ryan Chesley, Drew Fortescue, like these guys, and I really got to see them play. And then I get to getting to see them play. I was like, wow, okay, these guys are actually pretty good. They all had like multiple points, every single one of these guys. So definitely chipped in to do their part uh, to help their team win. Um, it's definitely impressive. But the only thing that I was a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to say sad about, but I, I wanted to see him play. Was Kerry uh, Terrence, who I have in uh, in, in League Thirty Two for my uh, Montreal Canadiens. But yeah, I was a little sad to see him not play as well as Aaron Manedian. I I love both of those. Yeah, players. I did. I did want to see. Uh, just want to, you know, at least just got to get him in, like you know, a game or two. Yeah, against Norway maybe, but yeah, exactly. No, uh, no cigar. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. They had to keep the machine that their team was just going. So exactly, it's all about I, goals, especially in the round robin. So I respect that. Um, they they were fun to watch. They torched everyone. So so uh, um, we got to keep going here because I want to keep it around an hour. Um, uh, Canada. We mentioned something about the American team where they left off. A younger player because they just were completely stacked. This Canadian team took some players they probably didn't have to. When, if you look at the talent they had that was younger, they had far superior talent coming up. So, in my opinion, Sam Dickinson, uh, if you think Zev Buyam, Zev Buyam is, is a good prospect, Sam Dickinson is arguably better. He should have been on that Canadian team. He should have been at least at training camp. That's 100% questionable in my opinion. Uh, same thing with Zane Parikh. That team could not score, so why he was not at, like even invited is beyond my comprehension. Uh, there's also a lot of other obvious, you know, everyone's talked about Jager Fergus. Jager Fergus. Man, the pronunciations are going to kill me. Um, we're going to have another Scott Lafton incident on our hands soon enough. Um... No, like the Canadian, the Canadian team is just, it's, there was just so little offensive spark on this team. And if you look in the, just in the CHL alone, the amount of talent they could have drawn from, and they didn't, especially a goalie, like Dominic DiVincenti's had a bad, you know, two game showing at the, at the you know, the red and white scrimmage, so let's take Rousseau, who's not able to see a puck through traffic. I just... Oh. <laughs> no, I feel like that was a mistake. They they should have had another option they could turn to. Maybe, um, it, maybe it wasn't DiVincenti's. Like, I just... I have him in both leagues, so I wanted to see him. Sure. I'm a little salty there. Um, that's fine. I can, I can admit that. But they had other options. They didn't play, so I don't know. It's just... It's frustrating. As a Canadian, well, you know, you know, like we talk. I mean, I don't know. We talked about this before, but I mean, among other guys like Bradley Nadeau, who's just offensively just gifted. Um, I believe Jaden Perron's Canadian, right? Uh, yes, he is. Okay, Jaden Perron. 
uh, both Kane's prospects. Uh, and then Riley Heed, he's a Minnesota prospect, I believe. Yes, he and, is. Yep. And then, and then one interesting one that I saw in the media, I was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Where like Shane Wright, <laughs> you could have had Shane Wright come. He was just eligible. Technically, yeah. Technically, yeah. So, I just I don't know. There's there were options. I just you know, um, I loved Easton Cowan being on the team. I just hated how they deployed him. You know, he should have been the fourth line forward that is mainly penalty kill. And he was just, he was used completely wrong. And that's, you know, I'm glad he made the the team. I just, it's unfortunate how he was used. Same thing with Owen Beck. You can't be expecting Owen Beck to to lead your team offensively. That's never going to happen. Um, If you have him in Dynasty, like, you're going to get a really good third line center, maybe a fourth line center. I'm I'm still questionable in the offense with Owen Beck. Like elite face-off guy, he's physical, he's chippy, he's like he will get under your skin. He's kind of like a uh he's he's really he's a pest. Uh he might end up being just a really 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 valuable fourth line center who can just win face-offs at a high rate and kill penalties and just piss off your your opponents. That might end up being Owen Beck. And there's nothing wrong with that, but um, he was just way too relied on. So, yeah. You know, I'm noticing this as I pulled up the um, the Team Canada roster. Logan Stankoven. I am baffled by the fact that they did not bring him back because I understand some of the other guys, like Fantelli or Bedard, they're in the NHL, right? But they could have brought... Stan Coven. Stan Coven would have destroyed the other teams. Could he would have been like a Patrice Bergeron for that team. Um, I'm not sure about that. Stan Coven is 20. You can't. It's it's it has to be under 20. He's yeah, 20. Right, Wright's 22. Yeah, so Wright could not have come back. So I don't. I, I'm not sure who wrote that, but that would be they would be mistaken. Okay, I see. Yeah. You know, you know what was a bit disappointing. I'm not gonna lie, like. Certain guys I got to see play after, like Dumay. I expected a little bit more from. Now, oh, is it uh, Nate Danielson? Didn't really do too much. Yeah, it was a little bit of the lines too. I I didn't like a lot of the line combinations. There was just they had players playing outside of the roles that they should have been in, and that's it's frustrating and it's kind of a team Canada specialty. Um, it seems like it's. They had their golden era, you know, 10, 15 years ago where they just couldn't do anything wrong. And now, I don't know if it's the CHL. I don't I don't know exactly what's happening, but you can tell there's there's been a bit of a shift in terms of um, the, the balance of power. Like, America's definitely overtaken Canada, in my opinion, in developing quality talent. Across the board, not just forwards. Like Canada will always have the generational players, I think, just because we have the wealth of you know talent to choose from, and it's just bound to happen. But um, in terms of in terms of the actual in terms of the actual amount of like top end NHL talent, it feels like it's all American. Like the gold tending, especially Canadians, are just being we're being dominated in the goaltending market right now like we have nobody coming up for any international tournaments so it's a big problem yep 
you need a goalie. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully. There's there's some players right now. I would have even considered Ryerson Leanders. I, I really would have considered him. He he's looked special at times. Uh, he's going to be a interesting player for the NHL draft this year. We'll talk about him later. Okay. Um, not not on this podcast, but later any, later in the year. Any uh, any quick like honorable mentions about like other teams and stuff? Anyone on and the other teams that surprised you? You want to kind of shout out? I love Norway. Uh, Brandsek Nygaard. Everyone knows him. He's he's going to be a top. You know, he's going to be probably a top 10 pick, I think, in the NHL draft for fantasy. Yeah, I think he'll be a top. The way he plays, he's he's got a little bit of that Ryan Leonard-esque game to him where he's just so physical. I love his game. He's he's fun. Um, okay. He's a lot of fun, put it that way. Um, I, I think he's going to go probably top 10. I think he'll go top 12, 13 in most uh, fantasy drafts, but that depends on people's willingness to draft Europeans so we'll see got it got it um yeah I mean uh is kind of nice to watch that that uh that tournament oh yeah he he gives me hope he could be a second line wing yeah um and then like I want to shout out very quickly on Switzerland um uh what was it uh did Denosio the defenseman oh yes Rodwin yeah pretty good for, for the Swiss team. If you have a share of him and someone starts asking, just tell them to politely back off. And yeah, there's, unless they're going to, you know, giantly overpay. But yeah, you, you, you have a, you have a good asset there. So yeah. just to celebrate. And, um, what was it? Uh, the Czech team. I mean, Jared Kulich just continued to just rattle off one-timers from the right, right circle. It was insane. Like, that was the main way he was scoring. As soon as there was a power play, he was like, boom, bam. Like, especially in, like, the late stages of the tournament for them. Yep. He just got them. It's, like, literally, like, four seconds in, boom, scores. Another player. Six seconds in, boom, scores on the one-timer. Like, they knew how to feed him, and he was he was pretty good. I mean, Saleh was on that team, too. He was, I think, a good part of that team as well. He's point per game. Seven and seven. I was and then I was sad to see Adam Juracek go down. That uh, that is the one thing I will say about the Czech team. Oh, you're right. He did go down. Um, what was any anyone else? I go from like the Finns. Uh, Lenny Ham Hamman. Haminaho. Haminaho. Yeah. I really li- I liked him already. I this is kind of like the first. I feel like this is the t- like the first time I really got to see him play, and I was impressed with what I saw. I I, I liked how engaged he was and. I feel like he was doing a lot for that team. Yanni Newman too. He was a big, big body. I think he's got a he's got a future as a you know bottom six, you know bottom bottom six player. Yep, I like his game too. Yeah. I think he plays the right way. He brings that physicality. And then I'm just gonna end off with Sweden because I know like you know that was the, the, our silver medalist for this for this year's World Juniors, but. I mean, across the board, oh. across the board. I think, I think they showed up. I think, you know, like the past, what I would say about two, two years, I think it's been a little bit disappointing from the Swedes. I think this year they, they kind of came out and they, they, uh, they readjusted those opinions. I mean, Lekermaki for, for, uh, for Vancouver. I mean, he looks great. Oh I mean, yeah. MVP tournament. Right. I think for different things like Austin, the great Steinberg, Lindstein and uh, Willander and then sending Pelica like last year's draft, like all three of those guys are on this team. I mean, kind of go down the list. It was, uh, 
Mm-hmm. It was a good showing for this for the, for the Swedes. Lindstein definitely did a lot to um, improve his reputation. I would say amongst Twitter scouts because he was not highly regarded. Right. Uh, that was a bit of a reach pick, or at least considered a reach pick by a lot of uh, media. So I think he did a lot to help improve those notions, because yeah. I think I think St. Louis got a good player there. Or at least a solid second, third pair defender, which, you know, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, and then uh, Matthias Havlid for uh, Sweden. It's pretty good. Yep. No, there was there was really a lot of... Uh, I Also, on Finland, Konstantinus, I saw some flashes there. He was a little... He had some bad luck. I just... Um, I, don't, I don't worry about it. Finland was not a great team. They lacked a lot of offensive talent, to be honest with you, so... I'm not too worried about his uh, his tournament and how his projection looks because he's averaging, what is it, six points a game, six and a quarter in, in Finland. That's um, <laughs> that's extremely promising. So, yeah, we'll get to that later. But um, there's one player on Slovakia we didn't get to, uh, Juraj Pekarczyk. I thought he was arguably better than Dalibor Dvorsky. So, um, another, like, just to show how good friggin deep last year's draft was like pick 69 i believe being oh you're right i completely forgot about it. you know who you know probably because the names and like you know all this but, but petrovsky was pretty good mm-hmm. the tournament for them Cervac, too. yeah he he looked yeah, really yeah. good he's playing for owen yeah. sound yeah so there's um... there was just a lot of overwhelmingly offensive ta- like great offensive talent and it felt like it all came from every team other than Canada. I agree with you. I, I think there were, you could name a couple guys for the major countries in, in like you know the regulars kind of. And this is no disrespect to like any of the like Latvia did a great job. They you know they they had that win and everything. They made it into the quarters, right? Like so, like there are different milestones for different teams. But I, I agree with you. I think that there's a nice mix of offense from all these other teams. I mean, like. Slovakia, for example, Mezar, Petrovsky. I mean, Maxim Sturbeck had a great tournament. Oh, great yeah. Dvorsky came to play. I, I forgot about Hansa, but Hansa actually had a pretty good tournament. I'm his numbers around. Garchik, too. Miziak, like, yeah, they didn't have, like, they weren't point per game, but they were close enough where they were clearly contributing to their teams. Miziak didn't necessarily... Um, I, I wasn't wowed by Miziak. I'm not going to lie with you. Uh, it's been, I think a lot of people have pointed out he lost, like, his, his ice time started to decline as the tournament um, progressed. There was there was some issues with him, uh, especially his compete level. You know, it's it's a tournament. I, I'm not going to put a lot of stock in it, but he's looked good all year. So don't don't over don't over worry about it. I just, especially because he, 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 once again, like, he produced. So at the end of the day, whatever. <laughs> it's a tournament. Like, don't let me ask you really don't quickly. panic. Last year's goaltending class, the top there, they were touted as the top goaltenders for last year's class. Um, Adam Guyon and then Michael Rabble. What do we think of their performances? Well, uh, there's a few we actually have to mention. Um, you know, you've got Trey Augustine, you can't forget about Trey Augustine. You nope, can't not forget about Trey Augustine. Augustine played great. Um, <laughs> Jacob Fowler had a, had a you know solid showing. Yep. Last year's draft of goaltenders had had that draft not been so ridiculously deep, 
you probably would have seen two or three of them taken in the first round. Like it's it's I don't think it's that crazy to say just because I think about players that were taken in the 50s and they probably would have been first round picks in most years. Like Riley Hyatt or he had, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's Hyatt. Riley I don't know. I say he I, I, I could be getting these completely wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. Either way, it's like yeah. those guys are not picks in the, like 50s, you know, 50 picks in most draft. You're going to get those guys in the, you know, late 30s, maybe, maybe early 40s in a deep draft. But like last year's draft was a deep, deep draft to, you know, that's, that's probably going to be the, the best draft you'll see in the next 10 years. So. Um, next year's draft will be very top heavy this year's draft is relatively top heavy not to the same extent but um yeah it's it's a solid draft yeah i i was a little disappointed at how few players that were you know draft eligible actually even got invites or that were just there in general it was it was a little underwhelming so it did not help that russia russia needs to be there i i understand the political aspect is is confusing and is um uh polarizing so i don't want to get into it but um i just as a as an entertainment you know viewer standpoint russian prospects really need to be there because there's so many good ones that should be showcased so it's just unfortunate yeah that's Um, a good point i was just gonna say as a hockey from a hockey fan's perspective of wanting to see in a truly best on best tournament when you're taking out one of like the major hockey powers it makes a significant difference and i mean so. not to be like uh, not to be that you know um teary-eyed guy but like you know um you you want to think that sports can bring people together and you know maybe it's still junior hockey but um it's you know no harm in bringing people together as long as it's not like i don't know I mean, look, class is class, right? Like, look at, I know people had their opinions about Matt Bay Mitchkov last year, but, like, I don't know if you look at the relationship between Bedard and Mitchkov, and it seems pretty interesting, actually. They seem really, really good terms. Um, they really like each other, especially, like, Mitchkov was, did, like, he said that publicly about Bedard, and Bedard reciprocated that, so it's, like, always nice to see that, right? Like, so, kind of understand what you're, what you're saying. But that was just like something that that's run to mind. But speaking of drafts and prospects and all these other guys, do we want to uh, get into that a little bit more? Yeah, let's uh, let's get into a mock draft. I did one for the uh, for League Thirty Three around a month ago, maybe two or three weeks ago. Um, the thing about League Thirty Three is there's uh, there's like two or three teams that own basically all the picks in the top ten. So mock drafts aren't all that fun because. Part of the fun of mock drafts is looking at team needs and saying, like, where does this team need to go? Where should they look to, you know, bolster their prospect pool? So that's uh, League 32 tends to uh, make this a little bit more fun. So this mock draft is for League 32. I'm looking at the file and it says League 33 in that column. So we're going to switch that quickly. (laughs) All right. Avoid confusion. So let's get started with our uh, first mock draft. 1.0 1.0 for uh, Dynasty League 32. Uh, we're going to use the current standings for the draft order. So with the number one overall pick, the St. Louis Blues will select with absolutely no. Uh, there's is is there any is there any like 
Is there any confusion with no, this pick? No, he's a consensus number one pick. You can just yeah. say it. We all know who it is. Yeah, it's Macklin Celebrini. So uh, there's actually a pretty... It's it's going to be a tight race to get the number one pick this year. Uh, I think, you know, all the teams in the bottom four are scoring relatively low. It's, you know, St. Louis, Colorado, you're going to have to start picking up some players. You're going to have to start doing something or... Your, your 120 weeks, 140 weeks aren't going to help you out very much because I think some of those teams in the bottom can score 200 relatively consistently. And as long as you're losing enough <laughs> to stay in the bottom four, you got to be able to pop off every once in a while. So um, as, as someone who got the number one pick last year, actually, do you have any advice for people in that bottom kind of eight to 10 range right now? Because we're all we're all vying for Celebrini. Let's be completely honest here. Wait, eight we, to ten range. Anyone, anyone, right now in the bottom eight to ten, we're all vying for Celebrini. We all have a legit shot to get there. Um. Well, let me uh, <laughs> let me go see. Uh, no, it's. I mean, Chicago. No, there's a few teams though that could break in. I mean, Minnesota. Um, you got to set your lineups, buddy. Uh, you got a good team, and you should not be doing as badly as you are. So. I, I think there's been some <laughs> well, I mean, like, chicanery look, going I mean, on. At the end of the day, you have to, it's a little bit, there's also luck involved with all this, but. Oh, know, yeah, big time injuries, too. It, 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 you know, it, it's like, you know, there's injuries and different circumstances for different teams, right? So the hell, how is that going to affect things? But, you know, like, yeah, your team is the way it is right now, but do you have enough guys to basically help you beat the teams around you? You have to be realistic in that sense, right? And you and, loaded up big time last year at the deadline. Well, I mean, I got I got Pavel Vichnevich, thank you. I, I, I gave you your first-round pick back, and I got Pavel Vichnevich, so... I got Ryan Leonard out of that, so, well, I'm okay. Right? I mean, you used your... F- oh, it was your first, right, so... I packaged okay. that, and I, I packaged that yeah, with Headman like, and you know, other I stuff. I think it worked out for both of us at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? So definitely a, a, a good trade there both teams yeah um win-win but yeah like it's just really like understanding your team and being like being like fair and honest to yourself and realistic in the sense of like what do i actually have here can i actually beat the teams around me in the bracket that i want to be in right and like what changes do i have to do and how do i time the changes essentially just certain questions that you need to be asking yourself beyond that I, i don't I don't want to say much because you're going to have like a lot of different scenarios and stuff like that. And yeah. So yeah, luck, I guess the race to Celebrini. I mean, well, unless you're crazy and you want to get the first overall pick and then just trade it like I did, but <laughs> I also had moves lined up too at the same time. So it was, uh, I, I that, think, that, um... I mean, I didn't do that immediately when I did that, but I had moves post seat, like after my like season had ended Whatever, after, you know, Boston won the championship last year, the inaugural championship with his absolutely disgustingly cracked out team. I don't think we'll ever see a team that stacked ever again because, well, no no cap uh, cap existed. <laughs> Sour cap existed for the team, so that's why he's able to do that. But, um, yeah, no, just uh, good luck to everyone. It's, uh, I mean, the tank is on. You know, there, there's a solid... Uh, I want to say one like five teams in our league. I think, I think one through five currently on the list of like St. Louis, Colorado, Detroit, Vancouver, and New Jersey are all vying for the number one 
Uh, well, New Jersey, New, New Jersey's winning. Path. I think New Jersey's winning three matchups this week. So you can put me in that list. Okay, so then then you might be in that list, right? I don't Same know. Same with Kansas Chicago, City. Same with Tampa Bay. Right, like there, there, like there's a lot can still happen, right? There's still there's still like a, de- a reasonable amount of weeks left <laughs> that you know you compound that by the number of matchups. So you know if we if we look at it, um, we have. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Or am I just wrong? Seven? Eight? Oh goodness gracious. Uh, I'm so out of it right now. Um matchups? Yeah, it's we're at like fifty games played or fifty well, matchups played like, total. Let me, let me yeah. ask you, like what when is when is, when do playoffs start? Like what week do playoffs start? And I could then I could Oh, March eleventh? No, don't don't quote me on this, please. Oh, don't. Yeah, the Marshall Evans sounds about right because you have your. <laughs> wait, just wait. Let me let me be exact on this. I'm I'm, I'm going to be exact here. Um, right. The final scoring week is uh, March fourth to March tenth. Oh my goodness! The the playoffs start on March eleventh. I was right. <laughs> so we still got like eight weeks left. Eight weeks time. Eight times four. You have thirty two matchups. So you got thirty two matchups slash games left in the schedule. I mean that's yeah because we play eighty eight total. Months, let's say it's about forty percent of the schedule, roughly speaking. Right. Yep. So still a lot that could change and a lot that has to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just be 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 cognizant though of the timing of it because you're gonna have to make decisions over the next uh, couple weeks or so um, with the trade deadline, you know, coming up. I think. You know, whatever that, whatever that might be, and in the next like four, five, six weeks, however that looks like. So another thing to to be um, to be wary of, or not weary. That's not the right word. I don't just just um, if you are if you are in Dynasty League thirty two, especially especially, I am watching the teams in the bottom ten to fifteen, sixteen every single day. Uh, if you are tanking, I will know. Like if you're leaving guys out of your lineup. You know, if they're, let's say they're they're playing one night and they're not in your lineup, and then the next night they're they're not, they're not playing, and then you have them in the lineup, and then they're playing one night, so you take them out. Like I see that, so I'm not going to start docking people of picks right away because I don't want the first tanking penalty be tanking penalties to be like, oh, your first round pick is gone. I don't want to be that kind of commissioner. I would rather people just be able to be like, okay, I you know. I tanked or I, I purposely fixed my lineup to not have guys in. You know, I've seen it quite a bit in 32 this year. I'm not going to name names. I don't want to be that kind of person, especially on a podcast. That's slimy. Um, but, you know, if it's one night, it's not the end of the world. Like, if you end up, you know, if you if you have two GMs especially, like, I, I, I would rather see your lineup set, especially with two GMs. If you have one... There will be nights you're you're gonna you're just gonna mess up and forget to set it. That's fine. It's not the end of the world. But like when it, it's a full week, or if it's you know three days in a row of constantly leaving out star players, yeah, like you can't be leaving out Alexander Barkov. You can't be leaving out like a um, like a Patrick Kane. You can't be leaving out a like star players need to be in the lineup. So that's my that's my one note just to make for both leagues, but especially 32 because there actually is a bit of a you know eight nine ten horse race right now 
legitimately to get into that bottom four. So yeah, just don't try to tank because I'll know and I will call you out eventually. And yeah, it won't be fun. So let's try to all be uh, ethical with our tanking. Um, create the best, like just create the worst roster you possibly can. Um, we'll talk about the amount of defense you're allowed. There's, there might have to be some game limits. I don't know. I don't want to Nothing's going to be done this year. It, it'll all be for next year. I, I don't really want to worry people too much, but there there will be have like, there will be there will have to be some changes made in terms of uh, roster construction because even myself, like I've got ten D right now on my roster, ten defenders. Like it's it's borderline unethical tanking. I'm like I'm trying to move a few of my defenders to get forwards, but it's tough because depth forwards are hard to find people generally want them so um yeah nobody really wants crappy overpaid defenders <laughs> and i'm not attaching picks to get rid of them so um yeah I'm, I'm in a bit of a tough spot right now so but just make sure your lineups are set and as long as you're not you know um like if if you've got minors guys in your uh in your nhl team i will i will call you out on that too so okay well do you want to get back to the uh, the mock draft? Think, oh, uh, sorry, I was letting my dog out there. He was going all whiny. Uh, I might have to leave the door open because he's going <laughs> to whine right again. No, no, that, um, that, that's okay, but I feel like we went off a little I bit know. on the fire tangent and it got a little, you know. This is stuff that I've been wanting to say for a while and just haven't been able to, and I've not been wanting to do it on Discord. So, uh, yeah, just uh, don't tank, please. I will, I will know and I will find out and I will prosecute you to the fullest extent of the constitution basically the taken quote just applied to our league <laughs> yeah pretty much you don't, you don't have a special trained killer you have a special trained commissioner to come after you instead so oh yeah oh yeah buddy yeah. alright so uh, number two in the mock draft the Colorado Avalanche this team has some great prospects they've got Alexander Nikishin coming in the next few years Please, Putin, please let the prospects come. I've heard some reports that you're holding them back. Just be a bro. Let let Demidov come. Let Mishkov come. Let Nikishin come. Kovalenko. Just, you know, let the good ones come. Anyways, um, with the second overall pick, yeah, they take Cole Eiserman. It's, um, this team is loaded, but it, it you can't really pass on a potentially generational scorer. Like, we get a lot of them at this point, but he's been a goal per game at, I think, every single level in his career since he's, like, nine. Someone posted that in the Discord group. Like, there was one tournament where he wasn't a goal per game, but he's basically a goal per game at every level, at every league. He's he's elite when it comes to scoring. So, this is fantasy. He might not be an elite two-way player, there could be some holes in his game that could limit his potential NHL upside. That is something I will say now. Um, that could also make him fall a little bit on draft day. Like he could go three or four, maybe five. <laughs> I doubt it. But um, yeah, Cole Eiserman two to the Colorado Avalanche. He's averaging 10 points per game right now for the USND TB juniors. So um a little bit below Macklin Celebrini at 10.84 for the uh, Boston University. Yeah, so uh, third overall, my friend here uh, at the Detroit Red Wings, he drafted a horrifically bad team. Not really that not that it was that bad. It was just, 
Well, it was bad. Yeah, it was, it was just a bad team. Um, he's going to be rebuilding for a while. Uh, he actually built a wagon in 33, so congrats to him. He has both Detroit teams in, in uh, Spencer oh, Wallace. Yeah. I'm going to check out his team. In, good, uh... good dude. He's, uh, he's, he's a funny guy. I worked with him for a while. He's, he's nice. Um, smart guy funny he's uh yeah he's 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 got a great team in 33 but 32 he's drafting high and he's gonna be drafting high for a while so uh he's getting wow. sam he's he's like the reverse opposite i know 33 he's, he's he's fourth right now and then he's in the top four in 33 and he's in the bottom four in uh 32 <laughs> in 32 i wasn't kidding he 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 really sucked his draft in uh in 32 but anyways well, lessons were learned and he came back with uh with with uh you know on a revenge tour here seemingly so he's drafted some pretty solid players i'm looking so. at his team right now it's it, wow yeah it's pretty uh pretty nice team he, he's got assembled yeah in 32 he just needs i think he just needs legit talent and in this draft after eiserman and celebrini in terms of players i'm convinced that are going to be you know very very high-end NHL players. Sam Dickinson is probably the safest um, after Celebrini and Iserman. So I have Dickinson going third overall. He's averaging 6.33 fantasy points per game for London. He's got 13 goals in 38 games. Like He, he can score. He shoots the puck a lot. Um, we're also not being able to factor in block shots and hits. He's an amazing defensive player. So he's going to play all, like, all facets of the game. I think he'll be playing 30 minutes a game by the time he's 21, maybe 20. So, um, yeah, very, very, very good player. Caden Lindstrom, fourth overall to the Vancouver Canucks. I know Vancouver, I think they like WHL players. I I don't know this for sure. That's my rumor. (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, so they're... um, they need some. They just need good players, honestly. Uh, Vancouver's in a bit of a rebuild. They're not bad. They've got some really good prospects coming, but uh, they need some more good players. So Caden Lindstrom, fourth overall, he's going to be a great center. He'll be physical too, so he'll get you some hits. Maybe not like you know Braden Kachuk, but you know he's 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 nasty. So um, Consta Hellenius, fifth overall to New Jersey. You know, six points per game in uh, in Liga is not. It's anything to bat your eyes at. So, uh, you know, I think that'll project pretty quickly to the NHL, especially with his skating ability. So, Elite speed or more elite edge work? Ooh, yeah, I mean, I love the edge work with Hellenius. He really impressed me. His edge work, ooh, like, it was, watching him was, like, reminding me a bit of watching, like, Sandy and Pelica last year. Okay. All right. I just, who do we have at who do we have at a uh, at a uh, fifth overall here? Oh, that was Hellenius fifth overall. Oh, sorry, fifth. Yeah, my bad. My, my, I was mixing the numbers up. Um, sorry, the next pick at sixth overall belongs to well you, the Washington, the Capitals. Yeah, so, I've you know I I'm pretty um open with how I feel about players. You know my rankings. I I, I give out my rankings. Uh, like last year, I'll I'll do it again this year. So I, generally, people know how I feel. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but you know, I, I'm taking Zane Parikh here. I don't know if I would take him in the real draft. We'll we'll find out. I uh, I'm gonna hold my cards somewhat close to my chest, hopefully. But um, 
yeah, he's he's like if you're in a fantasy league, he's a no doubt kind of prospect in terms of you want this kid because he is a offensive dynamo. There's some issues, you know, defensively in his game. I wouldn't say the issues. He's just he's developing, so give him time. I think he's going to be an elite, you know, offensive defender. So, like, I could see him scoring 100 points, you know, two, three, four times in his career. So. Okay, there you go. And uh, number seven for the uh, Kansas City Blades, which is a props original name and location for a franchise. Yeah, I just realized like for a hundred points, yeah, that would be impressive if you did that two, three, or four times. I do expect the NHL scoring to keep increasing, at, at like at around the same rate it's been going. So that will be a little bit less impressive as we keep going. But um, yeah, he's got 80, 90 point potential like consistently. So, but I think he wow. could hit hundred. So in the NHL, yes, in the NHL. That's, he's uh, got an elite shot. His he's oh he's such a good creator. Oh yeah, like Sam Dickinson is more of a um, coach's defender, I guess. But like if you want a like game changing type player, like if you want a Kale McCarr type player, you take Zane Prick. Like he he's probably gonna go top four in our draft. Just because if you want the upside, like if you're trading into the top four. To get a defender, you're not trading to get Sam Dickinson. Put it that way. You don't trade a crap load of picks to get Sam Dickinson. You trade a crap load to get Zane Parek. He's like Kyle Pitts. He's like, you know, there's risk. But if he hits, he hits big. Kyle Pitts hit big in his rookie year, and he's been crap ever since. That's that's fantasy football. But <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, you're losing me. Here. I know, I know. I'm going on a tangent here. Some people will appreciate that. But yeah. Um, yeah, Prick, he's uh he's yeah, he's a talent. Yeah, I love him. So um no well, I'm gonna stop you there before you keep talking another whatever it is and then about him, so everyone's like, Well, he says one thing, but you know, it says otherwise. Uh just to kinda help you out here as your friend. Um moving on to uh yeah, seventh overall pick, Kansas City Blades. Who are we taking there? Or who are they taking there, I should, I should say, in this mock draft. Yeah, this team's got some good prospects. I believe they have Jaeger, Jaeger Fergus. Good lord. Um, I, I, you know, I don't really want to go too much with need because you know it's it's NHL and that can change so much in three to four years. You know when these players are ready to actually contribute. So we're just gonna go best player available. Arguably Ivan Demidov, but there's kind of a tier here, like a, a tier ranking, and the risk of him being two to three years before he even gets to North America's a bit. It should worry me, but, you know, yeah. Um, anyways, we're going Berkeley-Catton. That was a tangent. Um, I'm going to go with Ivan Demidov at 8 for the Tampa Bay Lightning because, you know, if if I'm going with risk versus reward, there's a little bit of risk with Demidov. There's still a little bit of risk with Catton, but just he's in North America, so um, he's also producing at a wildly elite rate right now, so. 11.21 fantasy points per game for Spokane. So, yeah, that's that's attractive. Oh, definitely. No, I, I like what Kansas City has going there. I think they got a mix of young guys coming to the NHL, and they have, they have a whole bunch of promising prospects that should be coming. So, you know, Catton or anyone else would probably be a nice mixer just adding to that, to that, to that mix. So, yeah. And then, uh, what was it, eighth overall Tampa Bay Lightning in uh, League 32? 
They're stacked. Like, you uh, you put Ivan uh, Demidov. So Demidov would be joining the likes of uh, Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc, Kale McCarr. Dawson Mercer. Dawson Mercer. So there's some nice players that he, he would... Thomas play. Harley. Do not forget Harley. He's slowly becoming the PB uh, one defender for Dallas. Yep. Nope. He, uh, he's very good. So there's I, there's a lot of pieces. He also, last year, he was very good. Like Tampa has a sneaky sneaky good roster going forward. So I just thought like if you're if you just want to get one piece to just throw it over the top, why not just get Demidov? Um, they might go in a different direction, but in terms of the tier ranking here, like you have to take the best like, player. Talent, yeah, I think Demidov could probably be the biggest game breaker here amongst who's left on the board. Yeah. So. Um, moving on, number nine, Pittsburgh Penguins. They go Zev Weem. Love the player. I think he's he could end up being, you know, he could end up being the best defender from this draft. There's going to be a lot of good defenders from this draft. So um, it's, yeah, there could be six or seven all-star defenders from this draft at any point during their career. Maybe more. At, you know, it's it's hard to tell. Okay. Because just uh, look, just in this mock draft alone, there's there's quite a few. So There's quite a few defenders. I, I count five, six defenders in the in the. 16 picks? Yeah. Yeah, 6-6. Six, six. Yeah, 6 defenders or 16 picks. That's quite a that's quite a bit of uh, defenders. Um And we don't have Carter Yakumchuk, who generally is in most top 16s. So Got it. And then number what is it? So 10th overall, the Chicago Blackhawks taking uh Michigan State Artyom Levshinov. He's been a really good player this year. Um another player I would have loved to have seen at the World Junior Tournament. Um, same with the pick after him, uh, Anton Selev. Oh my gosh, Anton Selev. I'm a big fan of him. Yeah. Six foot seven monster that can skate really well. Like, I mean, a great like, example. Really well for a guy, someone that's six seven. It's, it's crazy. Like, I think objectively, even without his size, his skating is good. It's just, it's good. It's pro level kind of good. It's better than Simashev's. A hundred percent. I mean, he's playing in the KHL too this, this entire year, so. Yeah, and that's uh, impressive. Um, he's you know you look at his numbers and you're like, oh, he's not that impressive. He's averaging three points per game in the KHL, and you're like, okay, but he's 18. And then you think about like, you know, Kuzmenko, what Kuzmenko did in his, you know, um, age 25 year in the KHL, and then what he did in that age 26 year in the NHL. And you're like, okay, so if he can be like, if he could translate that relatively quickly over to the NHL. You basically got a like he could be a three four point per game four four point per game player relatively quickly in his career in the NHL. Oh man, like That's he's pretty, pretty solid already. The sky's the limit for that kid. No, honestly, it could be as I when I watch him play, I'm like this guy could just be the next Tage Thompson except on defense, and it could be remarkable. I know, right? And then in that in that sense, then then you start to think of Char just because of the size comparison. But There's I not take away. But, it's not a real good comparison, to be honest with you, in terms of physicality of how they play. But I get it just from the size. But yeah, Tage Thompson is more of a yeah, ac- that's why, accurate. That's why I said Tage Thompson. Yeah, I like that. When you watch the actual highlights of Anton Soliyev, it's it's very impressive, and it and kind of the and I also say that because of the things that we saw Tage Thompson do last year was remarkable. I mean, like, this guy was an absolute animal on the ice, and it's just like. You get shades of that when you watch the highlights for Celia. So this isn't the best yeah. comparison, but like, like 
PK Subban mixed with like Tage Thompson. That's not a great comparison, but still, That's I just not, I don't know. It's not the best, but like I don't know. Like in terms of skating ability and like what he can just the way he looks out there is like oh so smooth with no, for his it, size. It's such a rare look. He has an opportunity to be such a like a rare player. Um, so. I think that that's kind of the the intrigue with him. Um, and then at 12th overall, we got a back-to-back Minnesota pick. So good for you, Minnesota. Do you want to? I know you're a fan of this 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 player. Yeah, Michael Brandseg Nygaard. Nygaard. He was the uh, he was the Norwegian standout at the uh, World Juniors. I I love his game. He's he's going to be great for fantasy too. Like he'll collect a lot of hits. So I think he'll be a, he'll be a safe like top. 12 top 15 pick in the nhl draft this year i don't see him falling past 12 maybe 13 is he more of an all-around kind of player or is he yeah he's he's going to be a middle six forward i think he'll get you he'll get you 25 maybe 30 goals but he'll be physical like really physical okay loves to throw the body around so unlike the next player uh going 13th overall to myself andrew basha of the medicine hat tigers uh, I would prefer to get his teammate, but alas, I'm not picking that high. So, um, yeah, so Andrew Bash is a player who um, the skill is dynamic. Like, just, he's a, he's, he's great with the puck on his stick. Um, he's a good to, uh, he's above average to good skater. Um, like, if, if I was drafting on like a, on like a four, like a, like, a, if I was rating him on a, you know, one to five curve, he'd be like a, three and a half out of five four maybe um he's, he's a he's a very good skater um there's just an unwillingness to get into the dirty areas he doesn't really drive much of his offense to the slot from what i've seen in a lot of viewings because i was really obsessed with um caden lindstrom early in the year and uh so i watched a lot of medicine hat and uh yeah basha like he pops but he's there's flaws in his game but this is partly where you start to see the cracks in this year's draft where it's like there's flaws in everyone's game after you really get past like 11 or 12 like if you want to get a player that you're confident is going to be a you know good nhl you know good to great nhl player you really want to get in that 12 like 10 to 12 if you're outside of that you're taking risk so if you're going to trade a lot for a pick outside of the top 12, 13, 14, maybe like at best, I don't know. It's, I, I just, I don't get excited as much, you know, after Nygaard, um, any of the players after Nygaard, I'm not as nearly as excited about. So that's just, that's just my opinion. But how do you feel uh, about this year's draft? How do I feel about it? Yeah. You're lucky you don't have a pick, so. Well, I mean, I have some picks, but. <laughs> yeah, you have an, you have a great team, so you don't need picks. It's <laughs> I I have diddly squat. I guess that's the best compliment. You don't need to draft anyone. Your exactly, is it is a compliment. I have diddly squat, so it's like I need the picks. So. I mean, you do well for yourself if you have on projected six and thirteen. That's that's pretty good. You're getting a top ten. You have, a, I mean, almost top five, and then like you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, good player, I'm so. not doing horribly. I just, you know, I, I got a hit, and that's the thing. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, you, you'd be doing, you'd be replicating, you'd be a good defenseman and a good forward, and kind of did a little bit of that last year too. So 
that was interesting getting uh what was it ryan mocker and uh ryan leonard no i only got i got leonard richie brinley gochier oh, fisker mulgard danny nelson i i, I did like i hit the forwards hard last year yeah so i mean makes sense either way you got a whole bunch of promising forwards coming up but yep. um no i mean like interesting draft something that kind of stands out to me is unlike other draft years in a sense um i'm seeing basically a good presence of like the whl um and and then we have someone from the ncaa that's going to be going first overall probably right so that that's interesting and then um kind of just like a really interesting mix is you he's not the only ncaa player i mean you have William and then Lashunov that could both be top 10 picks. So again, interesting in that sense, because like you don't necessarily think about it, but I think that's also been a byproduct of like the mid 2010 drafts with like college NCAA players being like really prominent, like think uh, 2015 draft, 2017, like in that range of things when like BU and BC were, were all represented in the first round. <laughs> it just, it, I just remember as a Montreal fan, anytime I saw a pick from an NCAA team. I thought to myself, like, oh, crap, this isn't going to be good. Because I just remember um, there was a stretch there where it felt like we were taking American players and it just never worked out. Except for the one that we traded in Ryan McDonough. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, like, the one, so one that stands out to me was, like, Michael McCarron. We took him, we, we drafted, like, 20, we drafted him, like, 25th. Yeah, but he ended up going to, like, the OHL, did he not? He played for London at one point. Yeah, I think you're right, but you know that was a that was an interesting one, and then like obviously some of the other again where where we were drafting at the time, like that also had a big influence because of the draft class and who we who who we were taking. But I think more recently, you know, there's been guys. I think even the American guys that are interesting, right? Like the guys that are like American are going the college route more often than not afterwards. So like you know, Cole Eiserman is committed to. Uh, to be you, I believe, right? Well, so. and I, I get why the elite talents are going to the to the American college route, because if you want to prepare yourself for the NHL year one, you probably want to go to the NCAA. Like, it just makes sense. Um, it does. Especially it does. Acad- well, academically, too, I get it. Um, there's just better academic opportunities in the States um, at a younger age, especially. Um, Canada's a bit more limited there. Um, that's, that's a whole other topic of conversation but i get why guys like celebrini fantilli like i get why they went the american college no right? but i mean look and, and look it's also it's not like it's just like any random american schools either and this is not this is not snub or whatever it is on like other ncaa programs but like you know there's prominent there's prominent programs you know like like a bc like a bu uh university of michigan uh, i think um Michigan State is actually kind of underrated. There, there's some, there's a, there's some good players there. But then we talked about this actually oh, recently. Yeah, Michigan State is loaded this year, and well, Trey Augustine loaded Max for there. Yeah. Lashunov is there. Um, Isaac Cal- Howard. Isaac Howard, like there's, there's a whole bunch. That's a, that's a pretty nice list of guys right there. Yeah, it's it's a good team. It's it's a starting five that you can you can definitely win with in in uh, in, in college. So. There's gonna so, be there's gonna be more college or at least uh, American players that are gonna be in that first round. There's there's a few more. Uh, Trevor Connolly, 
looks pretty good. Um, he's in the USHL right now. He could be a top 16 pick. Um, there's some, I think there's some character questions there. I don't want to, I may be wrong there. I just, one one thing that does stand out to me from a nationality standpoint is that I don't really see any Swedes in here. You see Canadians, you see Americans, you'll see there's a Finn in Hellenius, you know, the Russian and Demidov there on the list. Celiaev, right. Um, and then like, Brandsig Nygaard, that's interesting for, for Norway. You know, he might be the highest drafted ever Norwegian player. Yeah, it feels like every year you get one player yeah. in the draft who's from, like, Austria, Switzerland, Norway, yeah. like, one of those. You know, Nordic. and then, like, obviously Adam Adam Juracek's kind of in the mix there for the, you know, probably being the first round. Um, but I don't see any Swedes, you know? Yeah, Sweden's doing okay for next year, though, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I you know, and I granted, and it's something no, I just it's just like an uh, observation I, I'm making, um, especially face of last year's draft. There's a lot of Swedish talent. I mean, you Leo Carlson goes second overall. You know, Lindstein, Willander. Um, there's also there's a guy going top probably three next year who's Swedish. So I mean, there's they're not uh, they're just taking a one year little yeah. hiatus from the first round or yeah. the, the high end first like, round other guys that didn't are necessarily on this actually i don't want to spoil that too much we still got a, a couple other picks here but you want to you want to go go see those picks and yeah, I'll, we'll get there I'll yeah no i was gonna say uh, like toronto getting Ryder richie they won't be toronto will not be picking this high they're they're slowly catching up from a early season roster violation that made them lose a lot um Columbus at 15 overall via Vegas getting Tijiginla. I like Tijiginla. Um, not really holding any cards to my chest there. He'll be popular probably because of the last name, but he's also just a good player. So um, uh, We talked about him earlier, Adam Juracek. He will be missing the rest of his uh, draft-eligible season. That sucks um, just because he he's a really good prospect. The the production will scare a lot of people, which I might take advantage of because yeah, he's going to be a pretty solid player. I think he's just, you know, he needs some time. So, um, all the, all the tools are there. So that, that rounds the top 16. Yeah. Lots of defenders, no goalies, quite a few center wing combinations. Uh, I will let it be known. I didn't mention this earlier. Macklin Celebrini is listed as a center left wing right wing on fan tracks so if that holds for next year oh man that's awesome <laughs> that is uh that is that is pretty awesome um i do want to like shout out there's a couple other guys in this draft speaking of whatever it is but like keep it hard you yep finished defender that's uh it's gonna be interesting you know you heard you hear, hear different things um there's cole hudson in this draft lane hudson's younger brother yeah uh, so you like that kind of player and that style of play there's um, there's some other elite snipers too. There's there's guys like uh, Liam Greentree for the Windsor Spitfires. There's um, there's uh, Maxime Massé for the Shakutami Seguin Seguinés. However, yeah. however the hell you say that. Um, <laughs> there's there's definitely some good players. It's just the there's flaws in a lot of the players after kind of twelve and thirteen. And not that there aren't flaws in the top ten guys, but they're just less glaring. Um, Tanner Howe's a player that I like, but he's, you know, a little undersized, but he's he's a workhorse. Henry Muse, the 
player that everyone likes a lot more than I do. Um, <laughs> Beckett Seneki, I like him. He's I've seen him a lot as a Kingston local. He plays for Oshawa. He's a big kid, but he's he's got to move a little bit better. Um, yeah, Trevor Connolly, Igor Chernyshov. Like, there's some Russians in this draft that I like. I just the Russian factor is gonna be tough. I really don't know what to do with Russians right now. I'm I'm completely honest with that. Like, they're just yeah. There's there's concerns politically, and as a hockey fan, it's like I don't know how to balance that because I'm not a you know political science guy or anything but man it's confusing and I just wish like I just wish I could take them and be like yeah they'll be here in a year or two not maybe three or four or five (laughs) or never like it's uh it's just depressing that's all well on a on a lighter (laughs) note um just want to thank you again for having me I guess thank you to everyone that you know made it this far in the episode for listening yeah also just a quick thing before you go yeah i'm really happy to have you here today um we talked quite a bit yesterday probably like three hours on the phone discussing a uh, potential trade i was trying to make that didn't end up happening uh but uh that's oh man there's no saltiness whatsoever (laughs) oh man yeah we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna name names it's fine um it was big trade big trade almost made almost had it almost had it um you are now the owner of the uh, new york rangers i did we really talk about this earlier with uh with our friends Stuart and riley so uh you're the owner of the montreal canadians in league 32 Stuart is the uh owner of the uh toronto maple leafs and riley is the owner of san jose and you guys are all teaming up now to take on the uh new york rangers or to become the new york rangers i suppose Yes, the uh, I'm merely one third of uh, of the New York tandem here, or uh, try it chumbrit as I like to say sometimes internally as a joke. Um, but that's how you'll see me as a one third New York on uh, in League Thirty Three. So to all the members of League Thirty Three, listening to this, happy to join the league. I'm definitely excited to be there. It's a it's definitely a, a challenge picking up a team midway through. So a team that I didn't build from scratch, and also being able to to work with. Uh, some uh, good good friends of mine so definitely looking forward to that um yeah no, definitely very very interesting league also a league that's a little bit different from uh league 32 so, just the just the d premium that's it yeah d d premium but uh, again just in, inheriting a team versus you know starting it from scratch yourself and it's very different oh so, yeah i completely it, understand i would as you know as someone who commissions you know, this league, I would not ever want to take on a orphan. I, I can't ho- handle more than two teams. And l- yeah, taking on an orphan would be so, oof. unless you're getting just like a wagon, it's just not worth it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I commend everyone who does it and who has done it to make this league's work. Like I appreciate you because man, without you guys, without you guys being brave and like coming on and taking these teams on, we would not have a league. So thank you for people that do it. I just, it's just not for me. <laughs> I'm not about that life. So yeah. anyways, yeah, uh, this, uh, this has been a fun episode. I, uh, we covered quite a bit and, uh, hopefully, hopefully teams in the bottom 16 enjoyed our mock draft. So, uh, yeah. Uh, for another episode of the, uh, windmill dynasty hockey podcast, uh, this has been a, this has been a good night. So, uh, 
I hope everyone listening had a good night and uh, yeah, enjoy.